Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. It's time for TMA Extra Dose. You can follow along on Twitter, at Slam Radio XM. Now, TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the upcoming week, or this week, I should say. Got a lot to talk about on this episode. Man, Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate finally come to blows. Which team came out the victor? Also, we'll talk about the NBA Finals. The LA Lakers still lead the series at this point, two games to one uh, before game four tonight. Also, Cowboys. What's going on with them damn Cowboys? We'll get into that and how the NFL looks to avoid a stoppage due to COVID-19. All that and more here on TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton. Now, make sure you follow me on all things social media, at Nick Hamilton LA. And I thought I saw a pretty funny uh, meme or a line that said, hey, man, we're in the final quarter of 2020. Hopefully, COVID-19 is going to be like the Falcons and we could prevail at the end, (laughs) which I thought was very timely and uh, pretty funny. So, you know, sometimes you got to laugh at what's going on around you. It can't always be all serious. Uh, Not to say that anything is funny about people and be able to – sometimes you got to breathe a little bit and be able to – do what you need to do to get through the day or get through the week. And, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Mr. $100 million man, and Golden Tate have not seen eye to eye for quite some time. Uh, on Sunday, uh, after he delivered, and I'm talking about Jalen Ramsey, delivered a vicious, I mean, spear, WWE style, to Golden Tate uh, in the second half of the game when the Rams took on the Giants at SoFi Stadium. Uh, you knew something was going to be brewing uh, later on. Now, we talked to Jalen Ramsey that Friday, and he was asked about facing uh, going up against Golden Tate, and he basically said no comment. Now, for a guy that talks as much as Jalen likes to talk, and he definitely backs it up, but for a guy that likes to talk as much as Jalen to say no comment about a particular individual, you know it's serious because any other time, guys will come out and just fly off at the handle, just talk their stuff, and move on and then get ready for Sunday's game or whenever they're going to play the game and get ready for it and go at them. This how this is how you know it was personal. Now, according to the reports and according to a lot of things, I'm sure all of you have been reading about Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate's relationship, if you can call it that. Um, the reports are that Jalen Ramsey, who has two young daughters, uh, the mother of his two young daughters, I believe, is the sister of Golden Tate. Uh, Golden Tate... Uh, and his sister, rather, uh, very, very close. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, at one point in time, left the the sister for a Vegas uh, Instagram model. That didn't work out, so Jalen went back and continued to be a, a great father that he is and continued to play football. That didn't sit well with Golden Tate, obviously, and you understand why. I mean, if that's your sister and you see a dude that you feel is dogging out your sister and doing her dirty, what would you do? Right. As a big brother, and I know a lot of you out there that may be listening. If somebody did your sister wrong, if somebody did, 
maybe your cousin wrong to happen to be a female what would you do in that instance you're going to want revenge you're going to want retaliation and get back as quickly as as possible and so on the football field is when it is where it all went down and so Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate have been clashing ever since that incident happened uh, concerning Golden Tate's sister. So on Sunday at the end of the game, even though the Rams prevailed 17-9 over the New York Giants, um, apparently the victory on the field was not enough for these two individuals as they were gotten to a squabble uh, with each other that ensued at the end of the game. A lot of different players from the Giants side got into it. Players from the Rams side got into it. Some players tried to break it up. When we asked the Rams players about it, a lot of them act like they didn't know what was going on, even though half the players we asked were actually on the field at the time. So to me, this is the situation with, with me, right? When I look at a situation like this, first of all, I'm not a fan of Golden Tate. If you recall, him and his wife wore the MAGA hats. I'm not really down with that. Um, I know a lot of people, it rubs them the wrong way when you see those red hats and we're sitting there scratching our heads saying, how can you be a person in this country with all that's going on and represent what that hat represents? Um, and he has every right to wear it. If that's what he chooses to wear, that's what he chooses to wear. But I've been cool on him ever since I saw that. I know a lot of people have too. Um, so it's not a lot of sympathy that goes on when it comes to Golden Tate. But you do understand his position as a big brother. And, you know, listen, these guys are going at it. I'm sure they're going to catch another fade at some point if they ever see each other or meet each other again. I don't want to be around the family reunions or the family barbecues. Hell, I don't even know if Jalen's even invited to one of those type of barbecues. But if he is, whoo, love to be a fly on, on, on the grass on that one because I can only imagine the type of tension that's, that, that's going to have when it comes to these two seeing each other in the same place at the same damn time. To me, listen, was it called for? No, because both of you can not only be fined, but a lot, but both of you can get yourselves injured. I mean, what if you guys hit something and messed up your hands or messed up some type of body part that's going to put you at a disadvantage and put you out on, on, you know, on injury list. That's, that wasn't smart. I understand, you know, you took a shot, a legal shot, at Golden Tate, if you're Jalen Ramsey, that's fine. Leave it at that. Hey, if you're if you're Golden Tate, look, man, you got spear. All right, you 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 got the edge spear WWE style. Take the L and move on. You if you have beef with this dude, you guys should have slugged it out a long time ago. I don't understand why you wait to this long and then slug it out now and put your teams at a disadvantage potentially because one of, if not both of you, could be seriously injured. That was stupid. If you're going to catch a fade, go do it in the parking lot. But don't do it on the field where everybody has their equipment on. That didn't make any sense to me. I understand tempers flare. You know, emotions are running high. You know, guys, are, you know, again, guys are amped up already. You know, it was a very chippy game, especially in the second half between the Rams and the Giants. So I know there was already intensity. The energy was already there. But why would you wait to the end of the game to do it? When you still are padded up and got uniforms on. That didn't make any sense to me. I might be in a minority, but it just didn't make sense to me. These are two talented guys. Say what you want, but on the field, these are two talented guys. And again, hopefully one day, maybe they may piece it up. Who knows? But in the meantime, in between time, why even put yourself at risk? 
Why put yourself at risk? And I think Jalen is a good dude. You know, he, he he's done a lot of great things. Um, you can see how much he values his daughter's lives and what he puts the time into it. He just donated a million dollars to the, I believe, the uh, Promise Academy down there in Memphis, Tennessee. And not only did he donate money, but he wants to be a part of the curriculum. He wants to spend more time uh, with the kids that are attending that academy. And you can't knock anything for that. Um, so I applaud him. My hat's off to him for that. Um, you know, I don't know what Golden Tate is into. I, I've never had a chance to talk to Golden Tate. Uh, so I'm not going to sit up here and take one side over the other. But what I will say is I've had a chance to talk to, you know, ask Jalen Ramsey questions and whatnot. And he's very passionate about things off the field, like dealing with underprivileged kids and making sure they have the best uh, education and opportunities to excel in life. And so anytime I see a person that's down for that cause and, be, and, and that enthusiastic about a cause, he ha definitely has my respect. Um, so, again, I just thought the fight was funny, personally. I thought it was funny. Um, it did, did, did it need to happen? No, but it was sure as hell funny and thoroughly entertaining at the end of the game. Because what a hell of a way to end the game after you didn't kick the other team's ass and then you go ahead and try to beat the other person down on the team that, that lost in your house. Not a bad way to end a game. And speaking of a bad way to end the game, we all know about the Los Angeles Clippers and their woes. And I spoke on this, I believe, last week and the week beforehand as far as the future of Doc Rivers and where he goes. Well, now we know where the future of Doc Rivers lies. And that is he has a brand new key card in the city of brotherly love. That's right. He is the officially been named the Philadelphia 76ers new head coach signed a five-year deal so now he'll be checking in he's back in the in the eastern conference he'll be checking in in the city of philly and we'll see what happens with that now to me i think doc rivers um this is a great fit for doc rivers i'm glad that, that elton brand and the sixers uh made this choice because i think doc rivers is the best coach for this type of team when you have ben simmons when you have um Joel and B when you have Tobias Harris a guy he coached here in Los Angeles at one point in time so he's familiar with Tobias Harris and his skill set and I think that this is a one-year situation when it comes to now what can you do with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons will one of these two guys be traded or will they be able to coexist for a year and can Doc pull out the best of both of these guys and still work with both of them Personally, I don't think it could happen. I think one of these guys have to go. I think it's either going to be Joel Embiid and you build around Joel Embiid or you build around Ben Simmons if he can develop a damn jumper. If he can develop a damn consistent jumper, he'll be great. Then you can build around. You can build around Ben Simmons, much how, how, how Dr. Buss and the Lakers built around Kobe Bryant. When they saw an aging Shaq, they decided, you know what, even though Shaq could still play, uh, Let's move Shaq on. So maybe they do the same thing with Joel Embiid. Maybe they move on from Joel Embiid and say, okay, maybe we need to play a certain different type of level of ball. Maybe Joel Embiid moves on. Or the other way. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting. But I, I'd be surprised to see if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are separated, at least for the upcoming season. Now, anything can happen. But... I think the Philadelphia Sixers have a lot of talent. I think they have a lot of promise and they're going to have to be coached very hard. 
if they're not coached hard enough, they're going to be the same average team that we've been seeing. So they got to be coached hard. They have to have, and I, I'm curious to see who's Doc's new staff going to be. I don't know who's, who's his staff going to be coming up, but it's going to be interesting to see what that's going to be like. But Eastern Conference is not a pushover. I mean, you still got the Toronto Raptors. You have the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you still have the Boston Celtics. You have the Miami Heat. So there's about five or six teams that, you know, you can actually attach yourself to that's going to be. It's not going to be a cakewalk to get to the Eastern Conference Finals or, or the NBA Finals next season. And especially what Miami is doing right now. I've always said Miami is one is one superstar away from being great and winning a championship. And they've already halfway there when it comes to just being in the NBA Finals. Because if they don't win the NBA Finals, they have nothing to, they have nothing to hang their, their heads on. Listen, they exceeded expectations when it comes to making the NBA Finals. They were the fifth seed before this bubble hit. They came into the bubble. They took care of business. They took out, they knocked out the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. And that's why they're in the NBA Finals. So you can't underestimate the heart of guys and Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler's been... To me, he's been overly criticized at times. He didn't work out in Chicago. He was criticized in Philly for his style of play and his, and his attitude towards the game. But it seems to it seems to work when you have Tyler Hero and and, and guys like that who listen to Jimmy Butler because on Sun uh, on Sunday night, my God, Jimmy Butler went and hit in, in his bag. Dear Lord, Tyler Hero, and this is without Gordon Dragic. Or Bam out of bottle, who we still don't know. When are they going to return, if at all, to this series? I know on Monday, uh, Goran Jogic said, "You know what? He's he's feeling better, but he still doesn't have a timetable, uh, you know, for his return, which is going to be an issue for the Miami Heat, who have who is their leading scorer. Also, Bam out of bottle. We don't know when Bam is going to come back, or if if he's going to come back. Bam says he's healthy." The Miami medical staff is saying, hold up, pump your brakes. Wait a minute. This is a future. And if you understand the Miami Heat, I understand them totally. You don't put all your chips on the table this soon. He's a rookie. He's young. He has a bright future ahead of him. And, you, and if you're prepared to come back to the NBA Finals anytime soon, you're going to need Bam out of bottle to be healthy and whole in order for him to produce the massive results that you expect him to. So, Arrow on the side of caution for the Miami Heat. I know a lot of fans don't like it. They want to see Bam get out there and play. They feel like, oh, Miami, the, the Heat staff is hating on Bam. No, they're not. They're being smart. It's an investment, folks. That's what they are. It's an investment. Okay? That's what they are. So we'll see what happens when it comes to the Miami Heat in the future. But right now, they trail two games to one. I still have Lakers in six. I'm not backing away from my prediction. Hell, it might be Lakers in five. Because if you listen to Sh if Shannon Sharp on uh, Undisputed on Monday morning, he said that Miami Heat won't win another game. I tend to agree with him on that. Because if you don't have Dragic and you don't have Bam, it's going to be increasingly difficult for you to get and win four straight against the L.A. Lakers who have lebron james and anthony davis who had an off game in game three i know anthony davis is going to bounce back 
and there's going to be other guys that's going to be able to step up, including Rondo. So I'm waiting for that to pop off. So I doubt very seriously that the Miami Heat are going to win four straight damn games. You got to be drunk out your mind to think that they're going to win four straight games unless LeBron and AD aren't, aren't playing in the finals any longer. And I don't see that happening. But we'll talk about that on the other side of the break with my special guest who covers the Miami Heat as well as the NBA and does a great job covering sports all around. You're checking out TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. Welcome back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio, Serious XM 145. And we're going to get into some of these NBA finals. Now, we all know on Sunday, the Miami Heat finally got out the donut slot and finally won a game. Uh, game three, Jimmy Buckets was in his bag, triple-double and all. So we're going to break all that down. And what do the Lakers need to do to get back on track? And what do the Miami Heat need to do to capitalize off of this win? Help me to break all that down. I have a very special guest. She is a great, talented journalist, uh, knows the world of, of sports when it comes to basketball, football, and so many other sports. She is also the co-host of The Greek Zone, which is weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, on iHeartRadio. She also has her own show, All In, with Ashley Nicole. And I uh, want to bring her on to give us some insight. So, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one and only Ashley Nicole Moss. What's going on, Ashley? How you doing? Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Listen, I can't complain. Despite yesterday's transactions, can't complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sunday. I mean, you had a day to recover. I mean, Sunday, Sunday's transactions were, were, were I'm sure, a, yeah. bit, a bit mixed for you. But I want to get into game three. Obviously, on Sunday, uh, game three uh, went to the Miami Heat. I've, uh, I personally have picked the Lakers in six because I didn't think that the Lakers, first of all, would not sweep. I thought that was incredibly disrespectful to the Miami Heat. I thought they were much more talented than, than to not suffer a sweep at the hands of LeBron and company. So I thought with Jimmy Butler, uh, we did know about Bam Adebayo being out as well as Goran Dragic uh, being out, who also said on Monday that, you know, he's feeling better, but he does, he still has no timetable for his return, which could also be a huge problem uh, with them being, you know, their leading scorer. Uh, what do you see from this Miami Heat? How surprised were you or were you surprised at the game three victory? And uh, what did you see out of the Miami Heat that was different in the previous two games? I wasn't surprised, um, despite everybody giving up on them after game two. I was very vocal about the fact that they're not getting swept um, and that it's not over until it's over. And I think that also comes from an athlete standpoint. You know, I played basketball, I played volleyball. And, you know, for me, one of the things that I've always had the mentality of um, – and if I grew a couple inches taller, I probably would have tried to get into the WNBA. But um, for me, it's never over until it's over. Like, I don't quit things until that's my only option and vice versa. I don't celebrate victory until that's my only option. And I think a lot of people were kind of counting them out. But the thing about the Miami Heat is, you know, they're a young core group of guys for the most part. And they're hustlers and they're hungry and they're determined. And I think what they figured out was the formula. And that is 
you have to get those rebounds when you're playing the Lakers. And I think that's what they were missing with, you know, Bam out of bio off the floor was you were missing a lot of those second chance points. And when they figured that out in game three and you saw it, they were getting a lot more rebounds, a lot more second chance points. And that really helped them secure the win because it's giving you that extra um, oomph, if you will, that you need to beat a Lakers team, especially when you're missing two of your stars and two of your highest scorers. So they figured out the formula and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that they continue with that. I'm hoping we get Bam back for game four. You know, it's up to the medical staff, really. He's ready to play. He wants to play. The medical staff is the one being extra cautious with him. As you can expect, you know, they're looking at it from a long-term perspective. But if they can get him back, you know, this series is going to look a lot different. Well, I know the story is Jimmy Butler, you know, dropping a triple-double, uh, 40 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds, and 45 minutes of work, uh, which is absolutely impressive. I mean, he was definitely in his bag. What did you see differently? from Jimmy Butler in game three that you didn't really see in the first two games? For me, it was his aggressiveness. I think one of the things I was upset with him about, and I think this is like the line he walks, you know, he's always gotten the bad reputation of being a bad teammate and, you know, being self-centered. And I think in game two, we saw Jimmy Butler who wanted to get all the guys on the floor, you know, involved in the process. And so you saw a lot of assists. You saw a lot of shots that he should have taken, but he passed the ball in an effort to get his teammates involved. And I'm all for that. And I think that everybody knows that Jimmy Butler is a good teammate at this point. But, you know, this is the finals. You're you're on the brink of, of going home. You got to get aggressive. You got to start taking those shots. It's not about being the nice guy. It's not about being the best teammate. It's not about getting everyone on the floor involved. And that's one of the things, you know, Kobe Bryant's my all-time favorite player. And one of the things that, you know, people love him for or they hate him for is the fact that in situations like this, he's not interested in, you know, making sure that everybody on the floor has stats. I'm going to take the shot because I have the shot. You know, I'm the one with the hot hand. I'm the leader of this team and I'm going to lead us. And, you know, I'm sorry if you don't get the assist or, you know, the the shots at the line and the points and things like that that you're accustomed to getting. It's not about that. This is about winning and we're going to win at all costs necessary. So I like seeing an aggressive Jimmy Butler and I want to see that continue. You are the leader on this team. Lead the team into victory. Oh, absolutely. When you're the star and when you're the leader, you definitely have. I mean, we, I know Jimmy Butler's been criticized even in the previous series uh, by not stepping up and closing out the Celtics in the, in the fashion that he should have closed them out or at least helped his team close it out. So I think he probably reminded himself of that. I think a lot of factors went into this that he could not be swept or allow his team to be swept. But I mean, beyond Tyler Hero having 17 points, the bigger story is the scowl. The bigger story is the new meme uh from tyler hero how yeah. funny was that to you and and what do you expect from tyler hero i think he's an incredible shooter uh, tyler hero is a great person i've had the opportunity to speak to him a few times um and he's just hungry you forget how young he is and i know that that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things but in basketball it kind of matters because rookies normally i mean we're seeing a new age of rookies coming into this league because normally rookies are not that developed they're not that good and he is that good the meme, I loved it. A lot of people think he invented it. It actually came from Billy Idol, who was this um, rocker in like the 80s. And he has this video, or he used to do this in his videos a lot, yeah. a, little, a little like that. Um, I know a lot of people on Twitter, too, were talking about, you know, why are Laker fans mad at Tyler Hero? LeBron, yeah, created the mean mug. And uh, first of all, LeBron James did not create the mean mug. That's been around for a very long time before LeBron was born. But um, listen, I love that Tyler Hero is kind of, 
you know, really showcasing what everyone in Miami has seen from him all season. You know, I think down here in Miami, we're definitely spoiled with the fact that we're accustomed to seeing this Tyler Hero on a regular basis. And if you don't watch Heat games, you know, that's not something that you would notice. So he's really on the big stage now and showing everybody what he can do. And it's only up for him. I mean, he's only 20 years old. So it's you can't go anywhere but up. But I'm, I'm glad to see him stepping up to the plate when it really counts. No, he did. And in your estimation, when you watched game three, uh, the defense, it seemed like the, the the Miami Heat defense really stepped up in a big way. I mean, you hold when you could contain Anthony Davis, who's been on fire the first two games to only 15 points in about 33, 34 minutes of play. Obviously, LeBron is going to get his. He's going to drop his 25 or 30 points. But when you could contain the rest of the team, what does that what does that speak towards the Miami Heat defense moving forward? I think Miami has figured out that the secret sauce, and I love using that analogy to the Lakers and making this a competitive series, is not trying to be them. I think you saw a lot of that in game one and game two, especially in game one. The Lake, the Heat are really were really trying to be the Lakers, really trying to be that game. And that's the same issue that I had with Portland in that series was that there came a point where they kind of veered off from what made them so dynamic and what gave the Lakers such a hard time with them. They kind of geared away from that and was trying to compete with them. You can't compete with the Lakers. You can't compete with that size. Miami doesn't have the pieces to compete with the size that's on L.A. So the only way you can do that is you kind of adjust your game to where they have to now adjust to you. Stop trying to adjust to them because you can't create size that you don't have. But what you do have is you have a lot of shooters and everybody knows that if you played basketball, if you play 2K or if you watch basketball on a regular basis, when you put a really big guy like Anthony Davis against say like a Tyler Hero, that's a mismatch that Anthony Davis does not do well with. You know, Tyler Hero can shoot around him. He can out. He cannot move him. He can finesse him. So when you do that, you have to really stick to what has been working and stop trying to reinvent the wheel, if you if you will. If it's not broken, don't fix it, you know? Oh, absolutely. So what, in your estimation, what do the Lakers need to do to get back on track and get back in the winning column to still be an opportunity to win this series? I think, I don't think the Lakers necessarily are doing anything that, isn't going to work in the long run. I think if we look at it now, this is a big if. If Bam Adebayo is able to get back on the floor for game four, this completely changes the series. Now, if he's not able to get back on the floor and he's out for this series, I don't think the way that Miami Heat are playing, and it pains me to say this, long in the longevity of things is going to win them the series. It's just not, in my mind, it's just not feasible. It's just not possible. Now, that's not to say it can't happen. I've seen a lot of crazy things happen in basketball, especially in the finals. But I think eventually, you know, the team that you're playing, especially a team of this caliber with the Lakers and their size, they start to adjust. So I think that with the addition of Bam, if he's able to come back, that's going to completely make this series. I think it goes seven if he comes back. If he doesn't come back, I see Miami winning one more and the Lakers will take it in six. Interesting. Well, I, yeah. I do believe that if, even if he does come back, it's about the percentage of health, because I always felt like if he's not at least 90 percent, 85 to 90 percent healthy, where he can contribute significantly on a consistent basis throughout the game, it's, it's going to be a detriment to the heat. And I, I understand the heat erring on the side of caution, because like you said earlier, he is young. He is part of the future of their franchise. Yeah. 
Um, not only and not only that, the NBA, you know, Adam Silver spoke with Rachel Nichols of ESPN, and they don't know when the season, the next season, is going to come back. It could be December, it could be January. So then that gives the medical staff almost a red flag. Like, okay, so if it is December, hypothetically, right now is October. Are we right. willing to further risk an injury that's not that bad right now? And then come December, he can't play for how many months? And then that goes ahead and throws our entire new season off the track. So the medical staff is doing their job. They're looking at it from a longevity standpoint. Bam's doing his job. He's looking at it from an athlete standpoint. Like, look, I want to play and I want to play now. Forget about the future. I'm. This is the moment right now. And it's kind of what you know a friend of mine, CJ McCollum, did with the Portland Trailblazers. Like he was playing with a fractured back. And he says, I'll figure it out when I get back to Portland. Right now I'm playing. So... Miami works a little bit different than Portland. They don't play that down here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens with him. I'm hoping he comes back because I really feel like that's going to be a huge difference maker in this series. Well, it absolutely will be a huge difference maker, but sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. And when I say that, I say, uh, whether you have a young guy who's hungry, who's aggressive, uh, as as much as Bam is, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take some precaution, some precautionary measures, excuse me. Because when you look at the long term, even if they come back in December or even January, January is not that much farther away from December. No, so I mean, you don't want to do something that could further damage his neck or his shoulder where he can't come back. If they do start in, let's say January, he can't come back until March, which is about two months out of the season. And now you're going to put yourself in a disadvantage if you're the Miami Heat. So mm-hmm. I, I understand where they're coming from. I would love to see Ben uh, Bam out there. Excuse me. Because I, I want to see everybody healthy. I want to see everybody. So there, there's no controversy. Whoever wins the series, they won the series. They, they battled through with all the troops in line. Uh, but to me, I think that the story for the Lakers is going to be Anthony Davis. And how Anthony Davis goes, even though I think LeBron is is the, the engine, I think Anthony Davis is the conductor of that train when it comes to the Lakers. However he plays is how the rest of the Lakers are going to play. Am I off in that assessment? No, I think Anthony Davis definitely is the difference maker. And I feel, you know, there was somebody, I forgot who it was, but somebody came out and said Anthony Davis may be the best teammate that LeBron James has ever had. And even D. Wade was like, listen, I got to give it to them in terms of what matches, not in terms of like chemistry or friendship or things like that, just in terms of what matches. I think Anthony Davis um, is definitely the difference maker in this game. And you can see when he's off, even when LeBron's on, it doesn't have the same effect. When the both of them are on together, or even with Anthony, when Anthony Davis is on by himself, how much of a difference it makes. And I think, um, you know, locking Anthony Davis down like Miami did in game three is going to give the Heat the ability to extend this series. I think that is the key. I don't think so much it's worrying about LeBron. LeBron is going to do LeBron things. He's going to complain about calls. That's what he does. He's going to try to, you know, shoot long-range jumpers and miss. That's what he does. Like, you already kind of know what you're going to get from LeBron James. Um, Anthony Davis is the one you really have to key in on because when he's hot, it's 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 hard to stop that Lakers team. Oh, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this question. You, you've covered the Miami Heat. You've watched this team. You've talked to various players on that team. We all know that once the Lakers have been winning the series, obviously it's a 17th title, Anthony Davis becomes a free agent. Now, we the foregone conclusion is he'll re-sign with the Lakers with the mm-hmm. max deal, 205, 200, around that price range. But if you're Pat Riley, you being the godfather that you are, do you try to take a stab at Anthony Davis? No. 
Really? And thing, you don't. The thing is, is Pat Riley, a lot of people, he is the godfather and he, you know, he does a lot of wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. But Pat Riley is also someone, the Miami Heat, I'm willing to go on record and say is the most loyal franchise in the NBA. I mean, you that's the only way you can explain someone like Udonis Haslam, who doesn't play any minutes, still being a part of that roster, like still getting paid from that organization. Um, Pat Riley is someone who believes that if you're willing to put in the work, then you keep that organization, you keep that team together as long as you can. If you're willing to work for it, we'll keep you guys together. And that's not to say that Miami doesn't need size it's not the same Miami couldn't use another shooter like say a Bradley Beal or somebody like that if they can get it but going for somebody like Anthony Davis who would require the max and would require the Miami Heat to kind of just completely blow up their entire franchise that they have right now Pat Riley is not somebody who's willing to do that especially when you have people on your team like Tyler Hero like Bam Adebayo who are the future of this NBA, of this league, and not only that, but of the Miami Heat team, Pat Riley's not willing to blow that up for one guy. It just won't happen. I understood that definitely. He's a very smart guy. That's why he's been in the league as long as he's been in the league. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was the fact that uh, you talk about work ethic, and you know your work ethic is superb. I, like I said, I think your work ethic is is mm -hmm. far and above. I think you do an exceptional job. I saw the Michael Smith interview. I saw the CJ McCollum interview and some other things that you've been doing um, just on your own and and I'm sure cultivating a lot of relationships throughout the way um, and where you are right now. But to me, you wrote a, a tweet that really stood out to me and I, I actually commented on it. But I said, you know, you were saying rather um, how people were criticizing you, not because you were wrong on something or because you made a prediction or, you know, your work ethic lacked. It was just because you are a woman who knew. Yeah. Sport. And they felt like, well, just because you're a woman, you're not supposed to know this much sports or have this type of knowledge as yeah. if you don't take the time out to study and prepare yourself appropriately mm -hmm. as you do. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that. And is that still frustrating for you or do you kind of just wave it off at this point because you would kind of expect that, which is really unfortunate? How do you deal with that situa those situations? I think it's frustrating, not necessarily because of my, for my own selfish reasons. I think it's frustrating more the fact because it's 2020 and I think about all the young women who are pursuing this career path and are kind of, you know, trying to figure their own way out and are going to still have to deal with this. For me, you know, I have a tough skin. Um, part of that is, you know, the way my family raised me. Part of that is being a New York girl. Like I'm not, it takes a lot to like ruffle my feathers and I'm, there's a saying that Jay-Z has, basically it's like, you know, what you eat doesn't make me, you know. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, I don't really, your opinions don't make or break me. I mean, everyone's gonna have an opinion. That's like, you know, it's the way of the world. Um, I just find it to be unfortunate that it's 2020 and just because you have the DNA makeup that makes you a man, you're automatically presumed to have more of an ability or more of a knowledge when it comes to sports. I mean, there are men in the field who I'm definitely more knowledgeable than, who I've definitely been right more than, but because they're men, they kind of get this pass like, oh, well, you know, they're just wrong and they'll get like flack for it, but it's never like, oh, I usually don't listen to women, but I may listen to you. But, you know, I don't really listen to women reporters, but, you know, I just think that it's really cool what you're doing. I just can't get, it's just like, okay. I mean, 
If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But I, I think it's ridiculous, and I just think it's really unfortunate. And like I said, I think that more for the women that come after me than I am about myself, because I can care less. Well, I, I've, I've said this, and I know we spoke off air, but I said this to you, and I'll say this publicly. I, I don't give a damn who it is. If you're right, you're right. If you know what you know, I don't care if you're a man, woman, whatever. If you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you're wrong. If you know and you're not and are knowledgeable about that particular sport or sports, then I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to try to learn something from you. And I think it's incredibly insensitive and ignorant. And you got to be a complete moron and your parents have to be brother and sister for you not to understand it, that women do belong in the sports landscape. I believe if you earned your way there and you can hold your own, you should be able yeah. to be able to hang with the best of them, whether it's a bunch of guys in the room or it was, you know, a, a room full of ladies and you guys on set, you know, together and going back and forth and challenging each other's views. I think that's thoroughly entertaining. I think personally, I think that you're very I think you're incredibly entertaining. I think you're knowledgeable you. about what you do. Uh, I think you're beautiful. You're smart. And I think you make sure please to hold on to all of those things. I think those those intangibles are really continue to, to shape you and elevate you. And uh, definitely look forward to in, in a few years, if not sooner, seeing you on a national broadcast somewhere, you know, holding it down and kind of saying, uh-huh, I told you. Listen, your lips to God's ears. That's right. <laughs> Last thing before I let you get on out of here, I got one question for you. Yeah. How about them cowboys? <laughs> how, listen, <laughs> how about them cowboys? Listen, you see the star behind me? Like, I just, it's, um... Yeah, it's, I really, if you would have asked me last week after we played, and the thing is with the Cowboys is it's such like a roller coaster of emotions because every week is different. So like, I feel like I'm in the Tony Romo era again, where it's like every <laughs> week is different. So if you would have told me last week, knowing that the Browns were coming after Seattle and knowing how well my defense played against Seattle, I mean, if you look at it, Russell Wilson was sacked, I believe, like 10 times in that game. I mean, they were on him all game. So if you would have told me that we would have given up almost 50 points to the Cleveland Browns the following week, I would have thought you were crazy. Because on paper, at least offensively, we are a better team than Cleveland is on paper. I mean, we have multiple pro bowlers, you know, we have a stud roster of wide receivers. So I never would have thought that that would be the situation. Now, I didn't think we were going to be able to stop them, but I certainly didn't think that we were going to lose to them. And I think we have a lot of um, issues in Dallas. I think when your quarterback throws for over 500 yards, you're supposed to win that game. There's yep. no reason you're not supposed to. Um your defense, my defense is definitely not the greatest. It's definitely up and down. That was going to be my, that was one of my issues coming into the season. But defense not being able to stop the pass is one thing. Not being able to stop the run is totally different. There's no reason that Odell Beckham should be able to outrun you. You're like, you know what I mean? You guys should be slam, like hitting him every chance that you can get. There's no reason that that, um, what was it, the, the last 20, with the last two minutes of the game where he made that insanity play where he just ran for 60 yards into the end zone after we brought the game in within three, like that should not happen. Um, defensively, we have a lot of work to do. Offensively, we have a lot of work to do and I can't put it all on Dak Prescott, 500, over 500 yards, like 514. That's it. Like what else is he supposed to do? Catch the yeah. ball himself too. Like it's, there's just a lot of things that right now they're going through an identity crisis. I don't think they know who they are. Um, I don't think they know what they are. 
And that's, you can see that when they play. It's a lot of confusion. It's a lot of just miscommunication. It's, it's just a lot. And they got to figure it out and figure it out fast. The good thing is, is the NFC East is a disaster. So we can probably go 500 and still win the division. Um, I'm not too worried about that, but I am worried about what this team is looking like. And this being a year Dak Prescott wants to get paid, there's a lot of variables going around. Well, whenever you're ready to get off that narcotic, I'm here for you. <laughs> Listen, I've been a Cowboys fan since 93. I've seen worse times than this, so... <laughs> Like I said, I'm here for you. I got a sh- I got two shoulders. You want me pick one, pick one. I'm here for you, ready whenever you're ready to get off that narcotic. But you know what? We got to get get you out of here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate all of your course. wisdom and insight. And uh, please let everybody know where they can continue to keep up with you and find you on social media. You guys can follow me at Ash Nicole Moss on Twitter and Instagram, and then on YouTube, All In with Ashley Nicole. All right, the one and only Ashley Nicole Moss. Thank you so much, and we'll definitely talk to you soon. All right, y'all, we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio, Sirius XM 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, y'all, welcome back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio Sirius XM 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. I'd like to once again thank the special guest, Ashley Nicole Moss, uh, for all her insight. And yes, you know I had to get on her Cowboys, so hopefully she doesn't hold that against me too much, but I'm definitely going to get on her Cowboys now. Uh, because what we saw on Sunday was absolutely atrocious. I mean, you have a guy like Dak Prescott who threw it for over 500 yards. This is the same Dak Prescott that has thrown in the last three games uh, 450 yards passing, okay? That's a lot of yards to pass, and you still can't get Ws. The way the, the, way the, 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 the Cowboys should be 3-1 and one right now. I know they they laid an egg against the Rams in the Sunday night opener at SoFi. But beyond that, they should be 3-1 and one right now. There's no excuse why the, the Cowboys are exactly where they are right now. In the NFC least. And you know what's sad? And I know Ashley mentioned, mentioned this in the last segment. You could absolutely be 500 and still win the NFC least. How the hell does that happen? Guess I showed you how much garbage is in the NFC League. That's how much trash it is. But how in the world do you sit up here and have a quarterback like Dak Prescott who is throwing the ball, firing it away, and you let the Cleveland Browns come in and drop 50 on you? 50! If I'm Dak Prescott, I'm pissed off to the highest level of pissivity. Because there's no reason. I'm trying to get paid. Y'all messing with my money left of the decimal point. Because I'm trying to get paid. And there's only so much that Dak Prescott can do. There's only so much he can do. He can't catch the ball, throw the ball, run the ball, set the ball up. He can't do everything. He's got to be the quarterback. 
and drive the team down the field, which he was doing. But when you have guys that don't want to catch the ball or can't move, keep the chains moving, that's a problem. And they continue to crap the bed. <laughs> which is why I continue to laugh at you Cowboy fans. Because y'all make every excuse in the book why the Cowboys aren't where they are or where they should be. Oh, we got so much talent. Oh, we got we we, we need we still got work on the defense. Y'all been having work since Tupac was alive. You haven't even sniffed the draws of the Super Bowl since '96. The only time y'all had a Super Bowl is when you hosted it in that stadium. That's the last time you you were witness to a Super Bowl. Because it happened to be in the same stadium. That's a, that's a shame. And you call yourself America's team? Let me know, Cowboy fans, when y'all get off that narcotic. Let me know when y'all get off of that. I'll be waiting. Because I'm going to continue to laugh at you each and every week. I've seen some people say, you know what? I don't know if I, I don't know if it's right if I pass this Cowboy fandom off to my kids. You know damn well it ain't right. You know it's not right. Because you're going through it yourself. And you could and, and you cowboy fans continue to torture yourselves week in and week out. And I continue to laugh. I have to agree with Stephen A. Smith. I'm gonna continue to laugh at y'all. Because it's ridiculous the, the type of mediocrity that you guys have succumbed to and accept. You people have accepted mediocrity. And that's what the cowboys are. They're not America's team, they're they're America's mediocrity. That's exactly what they are. But I tell you one, I tell you one quarterback that's not mediocre beyond Dak Prescott, and that's rookie Justin Herbert from the Los Angeles Chargers. And he went up against the veteran on Sunday, Tom Brady. Uh, Justin Justin Herbert. I'm about to say Justin Timberlake. Good lord. Justin Herbert went up against veteran quarterback Tom Brady on Sunday and put on a massive show. Uh, he he had the Los Angeles. Herbert had the Los Angeles Chargers leading in the first half. But the second half, again, I tell this to people all the time. I don't care how old Tom Brady is. Tom Brady can be 43, 53, 63. If he's out there on that field, he can come back to bite you. He has proven once again he is still the teacher to the student who happened to be Justin Herbert. Tom Brady finished with five TDs, even though Justin Herbert finished with three TDs, stood up strong, couldn't complete certain drives. Could have had some throws he could have had taken back. But to me, Justin Herbert showed a lot of poise. He continues to elevate his skill set. And I think the Los Angeles Chargers have a great gem at quarterback in Justin Herbert. And it would be crazy. I know Tyrod Taylor is trying to get back healthy. And we wish him all the best getting himself healthy and well. But there's no way if you're Anthony Lynn. I can't understand for the life of me if you're Anthony Lynn. How in the world can you sit down Justin Herbert and bring Tyrod Taylor back? After all that Justin Taylor, excuse me, Justin Herbert has proven to you, even though I know they've lost three consecutive games. But within those three games, beyond the scores, you have to look at what Justin Herbert has been able to elevate and accomplish in the last three weeks. And what he's done has been absolutely anything short of remarkable. When you look at the yardage, when you look at the, the, the touchdowns that have been scored, when you look at the poise, the strength, the hits that he's been able to take and get back up and go ahead and continue to finish out drives get got other guys involved, making sure that the, that the ball is exactly where it's supposed to be. I know there was a, a critical mistake uh, with the handoff. 
uh, late in the first half between him and rookie jo- Joshua Kelly. Um, and that's something that, that Anthony Lynn, you know, I'm sure he was disgusted by, but that's something that they, they practice and they have to find that timing and that rhythm. And it cost them because they got the Tampa Bay Bucks back in the game right before they went to halftime. And so you can't give those type of mistakes to good quality teams like that because they will come back and bite you as we saw on Sunday. But Justin Herbert continues to, to stay poised. He continues to remain humble. He, he looks to learn and he was even asked, Hey, have you, do you feel like you've done enough to keep the starting job with the Los Angeles Chargers? And he said, you know what? That's not up to me. Obviously that's out of my hands, but I continue to grow every week. I continue to learn and I'll continue to learn and get better and move forward. And whatever the team needs me to do to help this team get better, that's what I'm willing to do. Great, great, great quote. But you know damn well, Justin Herbert has done enough to keep the starting spot. And they have a tough task because next Monday night in in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, they're going to host, I mean, excuse me, they're going to face rather the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. So Justin Herbert, once again, will get another test against another legendary arm in Drew Brees, who I like to call Mr. Noodle Arm. And it, they may, and the, and the Chargers could just pull out a victory. Now they're going to be shorthanded because Austin Eckler is out for the foreseeable future. Now he's not out for the season, but at least the next several weeks due to a hamstring and possible knee injury. I know he had an MRI on Monday, so that's going to take away from his ability uh, to get the ball off offensively for Justin Herbert. So now you're going to have to depend on uh, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly more so in the run game because that's going to be an issue. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But Justin, Justin Herbert has my vote when it comes to being the starter the remainder of the season. You can't get better picking splinters out your ass on the bench. And this is a kid that loves adversity, stares it in the face, stares it down, and then punches it in the throat. So I'm all for it. All right. Quickly, let me run through my my three cents. And this is a segment where I talk about anything from sports to politics to entertainment or whatever it is. And my here's my opinion on the NBA moving forward. Now we know Adam Silver came out and said we don't. He doesn't know when the NBA is going to restart its season. Uh, when it comes to the 2021 season, it could be in December of this year, or it could be in January sometime, maybe even February. Who knows? Because we don't know what's going on with the pandemic. But when it comes to social justice issues, I believe the NBA is going to change its tune because, according to an article by Sam Amick of Sports Illustrated, who came out and said about 80% of the owners have given to the Republican Party. And some of those have even given to the campaign of Donald Trump. And we know how we all know how Donald Trump feels about the NBA and his players. And as far as social justice being spoken upon in the realm that it has, there's a lot of owners uh, that continue to give to Donald Trump's campaign and his PAC campaigns. And so that's why you've seen certain owners like James Dolan, the owners of the San Antonio Spurs, the owners of the Orlando Magic and a few others uh be remain relatively quiet when it comes to social justice justice issues because they don't believe in them even though they're let their even though the players have spoken loud and proud about them they don't believe in them and we all know he who has the gold calls the rules and so in next year in next season see the see how many black lives matters uh emblems are painted on the court see how how lenient these owners will be when it comes to allowing their players to express themselves about social injustice and racism and things of that nature, because there's something called a bailout. And they know that Donald Trump holds the key 
to tax breaks as well as bailouts. We saw what happened in the NFL. It's going to trickle down to the NBA. So do not be surprised if you see the NBA owners putting a little tighter rein on their players and coaches when it comes to expressing and voicing their displeasure for social injustice, racism, bigotry, and inequality. They'll let them do a smidget of it, but it won't be as massive as what we saw inside the bubble to conclude this season. And I guarantee you, don't be upset when I told you this, because it's all about economics. It's all about politics. And unfortunately, those two things trump human decency and human life. All right, y'all, before I go, and I thank y'all for tuning in. All right, y'all, so that was my three cents for the week, where I talk about anything from sports, politics, entertainment, or whatever it is, you know I'm going to speak on it. So before we go, I want to talk a little bit about, I know everything. everybody's been panicking and everybody's been trying to find what, what they can do as far as trying to get through the pandemic, getting haircuts. I know a lot of the nail salons are starting to open back up for you ladies out there. I know a lot of the the the, the uh, hair salons have opened up. Fortunately for us guys, barbershops have opened back up. So we can go back and start getting those fresh haircuts. Some of us have got, been able to get house calls where the barbers would come to the house, line us up, cut us up, whatever we need to do to make sure we look fresh and make sure that we, we feel like a million bucks. And I'm going to tell you something. Whenever you get a haircut, and a lot of guys can relate to this part, whenever you have a haircut... It makes you feel like a million bucks. You can be ha- you can have 25 cents in your pocket. But when you get that fresh lineup or that fresh fade or whatever it is, those designs that you want in your head or get your, your beard lined up or your goatee fresh, you feel like a million bucks. But would you spend damn near a million bucks for that haircut, for that right haircut? Well, there's one individual that spent $1,000. That's right. I said $1,000 on a lineup. Just the lineup, fellas. You know what I'm talking about, ladies. I'm sure some of you, some of you all may know what I'm talking about. If some of you ladies may get the lineup or have your your boyfriends or your husbands get lineups, a thousand dollars for a lineup. Well, Sean Puffy Combs' son, King Combs, recently paid a celebrity barber one thousand dollars just for a lineup, not a haircut, not a trim. You know, with the facial, the facial trim or, or the beard trim. No, no, no. Just for a lineup, a thousand dollars. Now, if I did have Puffy's money or King Combs's money, because I know that young man is getting his own money, would I spend a thousand dollars on a lineup? I don't give a damn if I'm sitting on ten million dollars. I'm not spending a thousand dollars on a lineup. That, to me, for me, is a waste of money, time, and effort. When I could go and, and spend maybe I, now, maybe will I spend a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars on a haircut if the barber came to the house or, you know, three hundred. The barber had to come to the house last minute or come to set last minute. Sure. That's reasonable. That's a last minute situation. You're in a, you're in a state of emergency at that point. But just to say, hey, I got cut from this celebrity barber and I spent a thousand dollars on this celebrity barber. Hell no. There's no way that to me. Again, it's just a waste of money, time, and effort when I can give that money to somebody else. I'm not helping that dude pay and put his kids through college. Not in that way. So I'm going to continue to find the right barber for the right price, and I'm sure some of you will too. But there's no way. I'm not spending. Mm-mm. 
thousand dollars for a lineup not even a haircut but a damn lineup imagine that not me Mm-mm. too rich for my blood like i said even if i did have the money nope not at all all right y'all that's my three cents for this week thank you so much for tuning in to tma extra dose with nick hamilton here on slam radio sirius xm 145 if you missed any portion of this broadcast make sure you download subscribe to me on all streaming platforms for free 99 like to thank my special guest ashley nicole moss sports uh host and sports uh commentator on for iHeartRadio. and thank you so much everybody for tuning in until next week please be safe stay sharp i'm out the views and opinions expressed on tma with nick hamilton extra dose are entirely those of the host guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of slam radio